Less alone, more alive. I'm Karen Thurston. I'm Anissa Naishira. I'm Ben Grace. And I'm Flamey Grant. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, Heathens. Hi, Heathens. How did that feel? Did it feel nice? It felt great. I love it. <laughs> You're official. I am. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to your first your first hosting experience. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Are you? Yeah. How's it going? How's it going for you so far? <laughs> so far, it's going just fine, Karen. Let's not talk about anything <laughs> that could possibly be going difficult for me. Yeah. I love it. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm super, super, super excited uh, about our guest today and about the conversation that we're about to have. I am as well. It's I think it's going to be a good one. I've been waiting for it all day long. So. So. All day long. You want to tell everybody who's here with us? Yes. Our friend, Sandria Hall, is here with us. Welcome, Sandria. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. You are, we're so thank glad Thank you so you're much here. for being here. Yeah. <laughs> it is an honor to have you in our space. So we're excited to Yay. hear from you today. We're so, so glad. I've been... I've been connected with uh, Sandria for a while now on Instagram, and she's one of my favorite people to follow in all of the world. But just like we always do here on Heathen, uh, Sandria, we're going to ask you to introduce yourself uh, and tell us a little bit about, about who you are and what you do in the world. Sure. I'm Sandria Hall, um, black woman, woman, a mommy, um, human being, doing my best <laughs> in this world to care about myself and others. Um, I work as a um, counselor and life coach, and one of my major focuses, which I believe is why I'm here today, is religious trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something I had to walk out for myself. I'm a preacher's kid from the South, um, a preacher's sister, a preacher's niece, a preacher's cousin. Wow. Is that co- oh my I think god, I, you're surrounded. I know. I'm like, did I cover everybody? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I grew up in um the South, um, a very religious holiness Pentecostal environment, and um eventually left it all. And it's yeah. been a part of uh, my my work now to help others who are questioning and making the same sort of transition. So I think that's how we linked up, Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been referring to you as I've been talking about, you know, wanting to have you on. I've been talking to the others and referring to you as a, a licensed heathen, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, I feel like that's so much of what we do is just have that conversation about, you know, religious trauma and deconstruction. And I love I love uh, having your voice on here just as someone who, like, this is this is your job. This is the work that you do in the world, and, and yeah. you do it with that wisdom and education and insight and that's a beautiful thing we'll take it so. yeah yeah thanks for uh thanks for coming and sharing that with us um so I mean normally we kind of start with a little bit you you already gave us a tiny bit there of your uh your sort of story and where you come from and you're surrounded by all of the preachers preachers everywhere all, mm-hmm. all the preachers all the preachers um, <laughs> when <laughs> When in all of that, in the growing up and being surrounded by all of the preachers, did you, I'm assuming you had some sort of a deconstruction? Yeah. You know, I've I've always been curious and questioned things. One of my my earliest memories of questioning was um, we're raking the leaves, big yard in the South, we're raking the leaves and I'm standing there with my dad and he starts to burn the leaf pile because that's what we do in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're talking and I said, dad, I was thinking about hell because I was, you know, raised to know that if you don't believe in Jesus, then you're going to hell. So I'm standing there with these burning leaves, feeling, you know, that heat from the leaves um, on my face. And I asked my dad, is this what it feels like? Like this, this is where people are going if they don't believe. And he was like, yeah, honey. I was like, that just doesn't seem fair. Ugh. You know, yeah. just, what are we talking about here? And, you know, he, you know, he started to explain, that's why we do what we do. And, you know, tell people about Jesus and lead them to Christ. But I just remember not accepting that as enough. 
<laughs> and I've had so many of those kinds of um, experiences with my dad, with my mom, with, you know, other family members and, and friends. Um, but it wasn't until, geez, I was maybe 30. Yeah, about 30 or so where I really, really start to question. And I allowed myself to question. Before then, it was kind of, uh, you know, you don't question God. Right. You know and if I mean? you do, you check back into the same, you know, you go back and you reinforce your old resources. Right. If you start to question, you know, 100%. you dig, yeah, mm-hmm. dig into mm-hmm. your Bible. Right. Oh, yeah. And let me remind myself of all the reasons why this is true. Yep. Right. right. Yeah, <laughs> um but I got past that part and, you know, I, I, I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, you know, continue, like dedicate my life to this belief system. I should believe it completely. Mm. And I allow myself to question, um, question people, questioned um, the validity of the Bible, um, started to look at other options. Like, why is this the only way? <laughs> there are other religions out there? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you bump into that thing where all these stories sound similar. Yes. <laughs> right? right? That's, I know? told people that was a huge one for me when I, I read um, the Bhagavad Gita. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait a second. Right? <laughs> this, right? Is the, this is the same, though. Like, it's different, but it's the same. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I remember like that there were more than one flood story and that kind of like, wait, what? Like there's, so this thing that we've got here is not the only one. So then there must be more, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. If Noah and the ark were the only people who survived the flood, how do we have other (laughs) flood stories? Exactly. Exactly. This is what we call the slippery slope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> so was, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that's that was kind of the logical, rational <laughs> unraveling that started to happen. And then at the same time, there were other things like just some of the, the teachings that were coming from the church I was in at the time, mm-hmm. questioning those and questioning how we treated people, mm-hmm. questioning this elitist um type of behavior we had for anyone that wasn't like us, yeah, you know, and, and that was more of just a human experience that felt just really wrong mm-hmm. to me. And again, I was very committed. I was, um, you know, serving in all of these uh, ministry teams with women and with um, on college campuses and things like that. And just felt, again, if I'm going to be saying this to people, like people are unraveling in front of me, crying and repenting and feeling horrible about their lives, like I have the answer. And it just felt like too much responsibility yeah. <laughs> for me. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to see, you know, is there another way? And mm-hmm. a way to what? Right? Yeah. What's you know? the goal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you... And were you... Oh, go ahead, and Did you stay in the same vein of Christianity? Like, did you stay in Holy Pentecostal? Christianity or did you shift or move at all? I don't know if that's like shifting horizontally. Yeah. It it was, it got, it was kind of um, modernized a little bit. The basis, we were still holy rollers and tongue talkers and you know what I mean? All the the gifts of the spirit were at work, but it was more of a Mm non-denominational church. So probably a little bit of everything was there. But it was enough uh, familiarity for me to fit right in. I felt like I was groomed for it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Thought big box American Christianity. Mm-hmm. Costco of Christianity. <laughs> Those big <laughs> non-denominational churches. It's like, sure, we're all of this. Mm-hmm. Part of that. A little bit of that. Some mm-hmm. Baptist thrown in there. Yeah. What do you like? We got it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> were you, when you started going through, like really allowing yourself to ask those questions, were you a mother yet at that point or was that before you had your daughter? No, that was before I had my daughter. I hadn't even, um, wasn't even thinking about that at the time and <laughs> just making <laughs> shifts in my own life and trying to make sense of what I was experiencing. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, I'm fascinated by, I think there's, it, there's such an interesting piece that comes up, I think with, with parenting, especially mm-hmm. Anissa and I are, are going to be doing a whole series on this, this, this uh, season on the podcast with just trying to figure out how to redefine your whole spiritual presence in the world and then like teach it to a, a child. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. such an interesting right. challenge. Oh, okay, cool. Well, let's start over and we'll yeah. just make something up as we go along. Uh-huh. <laughs> See what happens. It'll be fine. How did your um how'd your family feel about all of this? Was there was there pushback from them or, or some fallout or anything like that? All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got preachers on every side. So. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I got everything from direct confrontation to complete silence. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of ran the gamut. And I, I didn't make an announcement or anything. Yeah. You know, I in hindsight, maybe I could have. That would have been an option. I have clients that do a sort of coming out um, to their family and friends. I didn't have any support. I didn't have mm-hmm. any one walking me through what I was going through. So it was really bumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started to live differently, you know, stop attending church as much as I had. Um, wasn't saying grace <laughs> anymore. I mean, and at the time, those were like major um, milestones and major moments of my independence showing up. Seems simple yeah now but when that was your life you know people noticed yeah yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. well and it's such an interesting place to be standing I feel like people who are in the in the process of deconstructing their religious context are are such blank slates you know because we Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I mean you've been taught your whole life that you can't trust your emotions, your opinions, your your mind, your understanding. Any of that right. isn't trustworthy. And you've been told, like, here's what you like. Here's what you do. Here's how you find fulfillment. Here is what, you know, your spiritual life needs to look like. Um, and then when you remove that, we're all kind of at square one of trying to figure out, like, what what do I like? What do I yeah. mm-hmm. – <laughs> Who am mm-hmm. I? How, how do what I do fit I do? in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Figuring out how you fit in your family is such a, a big deal. I went from being the person mm-hmm. that prayed at every holiday event to trying to pass the buck to somebody else and it being so confusing to my family. So, yeah, just trying to figure out where you fit in the world now. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had um, actually gotten married in church, oh, okay. um, at the you know the high point of my um, involvement, um, and also divorced, <laughs> and um, that was a major shift. I think a lot of things came up for me, um, like you said, Anissa, trying to figure out your your place in the world. Where do you fit? I had to reimagine everything. My family was shifting. Um, my thoughts around marriage were shifting. Um, my thoughts around love in general, what it means to be me, what it means to be a woman. I had my daughter much later, but definitely that was like you said, Karen, I got to mix some stuff up or what do we do? (laughs) What do we do? My parents had a guidebook, you know, I'm like, all right. (laughs) I want to teach this kid about, you know, our values and our morals. And um, that's actually been easier because, like I said, it's been she's only four and I've been out for years. So I feel, you know, I have my sea legs under me. Yeah, (laughs) I can can talk through some of that. But during that time of um, going through that divorce and shifting, that was that was difficult. That was trying for sure. Was the divorce motivated partly because of your religious shifting or or were the two separate catalysts? Yes and no. Um, The marriage just didn't work out. It was a bad match. (laughs) Make mistakes. But I will say that some of the rules, expectations, um, values that I placed on myself and on my ex-husband at the beginning when we said I do, mm-hmm. by the end we're completely different. 
Yeah. Because, you know, you know, the stuff that comes up, the, you know, submission and your body belongs to God and then your husband, it was never really yours. Like all of these things start to, to unravel. Like, how does this really play out in a lived life? You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I can chart my, so for me, religious deconstruction was a 20 year, very slow process of baby steps in the direction of where I am now, I suppose. Um, and I'm, I'm 38 years old. I mm-hmm. just got married for the third time. So that's some sort of record that we've set, which is a delight and I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I had, you know, my, my first marriage, which was very, very short lived was absolutely my trying to live into my original idea of what a, a good Christian girl would do. So, you know, mm-hmm. I married the guy that was going to be the youth pastor, never mind yeah. the fact that he was in a a place in his life where he was incapable of healthy emotional interaction. Um, but we did that and that combusted quickly and that sort of forced me into the first little realm of, of deconstruction. And then I think where I landed the second time was that now it wasn't about I went from this ideal of really romanticizing relationships and marriage. Mm-hmm, and I was going to mm-hmm. find the one that God meant for me. And, yes. you know, that was going to be this magical connection and like everything was going to be blessed by the Lord. And that yes. didn't happen. And I think mm-hmm. I then went to like another mindset, another sort of biblical mindset of all of that sexual connection, chemistry, uh, all of that romantic bullshit is bullshit. It doesn't mm. matter. And what I'm looking for is a good man of God who will be a good partner. Right. And then God will bless everything else. And mm-hmm. that will be the thing. So my second marriage was very much a, a, a partnership. We didn't really have great chemistry. We didn't have a good romantic attraction to each other. We didn't have any of those things, but we liked each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we agreed on all of the essential things in life. And um, that felt like the right contract to enter into at that point. Yeah. And it's so funny how I can look back now and be like these different markers along the way completely wrote those expectations for me. And and the the lack of me in those relationships was the yeah. first thing to become apparent when I started to really ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Who am I? What do I want? The first thing that I bumped into is, oh, not this. Like this, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not I'm not here in this. And um, it's amazing. I think I've seen people have relationships that where they kind of deconstruct together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's beautiful. And then you also have these where, you know, you do get that, oh, I wasn't actually in this decision. This was dictated mm. to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean by the lack of me? Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, I wasn't, that was a decision I made because I thought that I should, because uh, I thought uh-huh. it was the, the right thing to do. And, you know, I'm an Enneagram three. I could get real into an image projection and I can stay in it for a long time <laughs> mm-hmm. and fool myself as well as anyone else. So yeah. I think that um, it's such a perilous place when when those things start waking up and you start having to ask those questions be like, oh, did I choose to be here? Did I? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Did I steer the ship to to get here, or have I been a passenger up until now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good time. It's fun for everyone. <laughs> a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't change it. I mean, it, it is. Those have all been. It's a good story. I always wanted like a good long like, Maya Angelou of a life. You know, it's a good story. I like it. It's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> I always, it's so interesting. Like I. I didn't really date anybody I until I was um, until I, until I really fast dated my hu- now husband. But um, most of that was because I spent you know my twenties and well my twenties my before that in what I always call situationships where I just kind of melded who I am into whatever they were doing and hoped that they were going to ask me to marry them one day. Um, it was very mm-hmm. weird, <laughs> but well, it's weird now when I think about it, but it made sense at the time with how those things worked, you know, like, and what I was told, you know, what I was supposed to want in a husband, but I, yeah, I feel like I, 
because my deconstruction didn't, I was always like pulling the thread, the slow sweater and asking the questions, but it never quite fully hit for me until I was pregnant with my daughter, my first daughter. And so I was already married and we had this, we, we had already said out loud, okay, we're going to let each other grow and give each other space to grow. I don't think we knew what that meant exactly when we said mm. that, but I'm, I've, it's been an interesting process to like be married in the middle of like, oh, I'm not the same person that I was now almost eight years ago. Like we look at each other all the time and he's like, you are not as nice as I thought you were. <laughs> and I'm not like, you know, like, because I've learned to speak up for myself and all of these things. Right. That, like it's different, you know? And so I, it's, it's interesting to kind of walk through that and, and also be thankful that I didn't wind up with the, some of the situationships that I wanted. Cause I don't think those, those things would have, I was always going to end up where I am now and deconstructed. I really, I really feel like that. And so, it's interesting to think about how those things have played out. The situation ship would have turned into a situation. Yeah. <laughs> it would have turned into a situation for sure. But yeah. So Sandria, what's that been, what's that been like for you to, to reinvent a paradigm around dating and relationship after, after leaving that marriage and after getting out of that religious context, like, did you know where to start? Did you have tools? Were you already doing some of this, like, you know, counseling and and therapy work? And did that give you a foundation to begin with? Not really. I was reading, (laughs) (laughs) I I was reading like self-help books and I didn't have a name for what I was going through. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I didn't know what was happening. I I probably thought, you know, number one, I was backslidden, right? You know, oh, yeah. backslidden position. Um, yeah. And then Fall I kept going, away. right? But then I kept going. <laughs> like I followed that road away. And yeah, and so I didn't understand it, except that I was changing. It was painful, though. Right. You know, it didn't feel like I was just maybe had learned some new information. It really felt like... I was crumbling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here's the thing, my childhood Pentecostal upbringing, that was foundational, but I spent a number of years not active. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was a social Christian. I, that's the box I checked <laughs> if someone asked, but I wasn't, you know, quote unquote, for real saved and living the life. So I, I had some experiences for a while, <laughs> um, but I became fanatical as a young adult. Um, when I got involved into that non-denominational church. Mm-hmm. Um, so dating was very specific <laughs> in that context, right? There's no sex. For us, right. it was um, at least a year of dating and premarital counseling. Like, it was outlined. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, yeah, I needed, like, a year of premarital counseling. <laughs> I didn't. I needed way more than that. Um, and it was more check the boxes, you know, are you equally yoked? Are you saved? Do you, you know, how many kids do you want? It was just, it was so surface. And and like you said, Karen, that, you know, God was just going to bless it because we're here. We don't have to do much work. And then you get in it and find out, oh, (laughs) no, that's not how it works. (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh Uh-huh. I need way more information than God is going to bless this. (laughs) Could, could he bless it sooner? Like, he, like quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Feels yeah. dire at the moment. Mm-hmm. What yeah. I found myself doing, and you ladies let me know if this sounds familiar to you, but when I bump into rough patches, I would just pray. Yeah. I didn't know how to talk about it. Mm. You know, I, I wasn't sure if I could talk about it. Yeah. You know, there was a lot around... You just, you know, you go to God and pray for your husband and pray that his heart changes or your heart changes. Like it was so much focus on what God is going to do, not what mm-hmm. I needed to own yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for myself, not what my ex-husband needed to own for himself that we, we just didn't have. I'll speak for me. I didn't have that skill set. Right. Even if even if he came to me to talk, I didn't have it. I was such a, you know, God's got to help me out. I'll, I'll just be submissive. Mm-hmm. Um, now I was horrible at it. Let me be clear. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I, I wasn't a mousy woman 
ever. Yeah. But I was trying to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was yeah. really like, oh, I, I, I'm going to trust God to, to do this work. And that never happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's still the thing that I'm most angry about. And I, I feel like at this point in, you know, I've been in whatever weird mysticism land I'm in for a long time now, long enough that it, it doesn't feel raw to me anymore. And I don't use words like anger very often. But the thing I'm still angry about is the undermining of mm. my own intuition, my mm-hmm. own knowing when something needed to be said, knowing when something needed to be done, knowing when something wasn't enough yeah. for me or yeah. or was too much or, or my ability to say no, my ability to consent to things, the mm-hmm. undermining of that, not externally, but internally, uh, the, the way that I was taught to distrust that and yeah. to start praying, you know, instead of investigating, why do I feel this way? Where is this coming from? Right. What is the thing that I need to say? I mm-hmm. was really good at like spiritually bypassing myself, right? right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I will bring it to God and I will just cry and hope that he fixes me. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. And what a tragedy. Yeah. What a tragedy that is. What a waste of time mm-hmm. that is. Yeah, that's a mission. The submissive mm-hmm. word. Like, I, I mean, I've just... Like I said before, I've never been like quiet. <laughs> Usually, when I speak up, and I think I, I I got told a lot that I just needed to make myself less if I was ever going to get married, if I was ever going to find someone who was mm-hmm. willing to marry me, <laughs> it was going to be because I made myself less. And I and I just I don't know. I think I internalized that a lot, and so it's it's interesting to see that like. Yeah, it, it angers me. <laughs> I didn't know that I could be angry because that was too much, you know. And I think right. mm-hmm. <sighs> um, just putting all of what that, did that look like? Uh, yeah, I mean, usually just being not speaking up, you know. And mm-hmm. most of the time in work, I worked in um, Christian ministry and uh, at a at a university for a while mm-hmm. and it was always like I'm either like speaking up too much and so then I just would shut down like that for me that's kind of how I would handle it is just shutting down because I was or yeah. trying to meld I'm an Enneagram 9 so I realize now it like probably super easy and probably led to lots of code codependent things but just being able to say oh yeah I like that too you know and just kind of blending in and not trying not to make waves, but really being bad at it. Like I was, you know, cause something would always come up where I was like, Oh no, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that. And then <laughs> there it all goes, you know, but um, uh-huh. yeah, just being squelched like over and over again at work. And in, and, and there's a lot of that. You can't lead without a man near like with you. Like I always had to have a co-leader. <laughs> there was like, mm-hmm. well, even though I'm carrying the whole damn thing, like, <laughs> I had to. It's have, really important we have a man here to take the credit. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it was like sitting in meetings and being like, I literally said that. Like, he's saying it now, and we're going with it. Cool. Okay. You know, and I didn't. I honestly didn't realize all of it until I wasn't able to put words to it. Probably until I, as I started to deconstruct. And then I got pissed about it and I was like, wait a minute, you know, like, but yeah, just a lot of squelching Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Squelch is such a great word not to detract from the depth of this conversation, which is (laughs) important, but I really like the the visceral feeling of the word squelch. Uh I feel that too. It is a good word. (laughs) Good one. It's a good one. Then Grace, play me. Um, it's almost Thursday. Oh, again? Yeah, we got to get some songs ready. Wow. And banter, and costumes, and you need to mix a cocktail for us because you know I can't make a drink to save my life. Where's Wes? Wes? <laughs> That's right. Thursday nights, Heathen Happy Hour. If you haven't heard, we're live on the internet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific. 
Facebook.com slash Heathen Podcast. That's right. And we're singing songs and we're drinking, sometimes too much, and uh, talking your ears off. Yep. All little heathens over there in the comments. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Anissa and Benjamin always dance. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Join us at Heathen Happy Hour. I think that the thing that we run into a lot, and Sandria, I would love to have you speak to this a little bit, just because I think we hear it again and again, is uh, people, you know, most of our listeners come to Heathen because they're looking for community and validation, right? So mm-hmm. to be left alone and in their deconstruction and to just be told because they should be told and deserve to be told, like, you are not the first. You are not pioneering this experience. You are not alone in it. You are not Mm -hmm. losing your mind. Like, this is a a normal and sane and valid experience that you're having that has happened to other people as well. Um, And I think a huge part of that that seems to echo in a lot of people's experiences, they get through the deconstruction, and especially around things like relationships and dating. It's the the, now what? Now Now what? So I would love I would love to hear how you started to kind of reconstruct a paradigm for yourself around that. Like how did you start to build something new once you would let go of what you had? Mm-hmm. Um, curiosity, and I allowed it. Yeah, like in 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 every way, and you know to to grapple with the feelings of guilt where before those that feeling would again lead me directly back to the word or to praying but afterwards it was well I don't believe that way anymore because I I understood what I was bumping up against on the inside those old teachings Mm -hmm, and just again started to tell myself but you don't believe that anymore and maybe you don't know what you believe necessarily or do you have to have a belief system (laughs) when it comes to dating like can you just get to know human beings Mm. let's give let's give that a try Uh (laughs) uh-huh there's Mm -hmm. a year of dating and then there's premarital counseling we've been over this Uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I mean so it was still bumpy you know um I think dating is in general (laughs) a bumpy ride but again, I allowed the curiosity and dated different kinds of people and, and started to have different kinds of conversations. Before mm-hmm. that, everything was around, you know, just the, the godly Christian context. But now I could talk about anything. And I was interested in people who had different life experiences than me, people that never believed before. That was a big mm-hmm. um, uh, space for curiosity. Yeah. Um, and, and find out what other people have been doing. It, it right? was, yeah. I, it was almost like being, I don't know, when people started dating 14, 15, 16, yeah, sure. whatever. Um, I felt like I was, it was, I was there again in a sense. That's so you know amazing. I mean? mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Without, without parental guidance. <laughs> I always feel like I was slightly higher because I'm an adult and uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I'm making adult decisions and I have to drive home and stuff. I don't know. There's something about, <laughs> I love, I hope that my daughter gets the experience of figuring that out when she is 14 and 15, yeah. just because I think there is, um, there's as much as there is the parental supervision, which is sort of a, like a, uh, like a, a lid on things. There's also mm-hmm. something safe in that, in knowing that you're not the responsible adult necessarily quite yet. Like there's mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. of a, a freedom that's in that. Um, that I always think is 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 it's it's funny to be 14 and to be 30. You know, like that's a mm-hmm. it's a funny place mm-hmm. to be to try to embody both of those women at the same time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I like, can't I'm, like, be imagining what that's like to be like not looking for a husband at 14 you know like uh-huh <laughs> right exactly <laughs> same you know so you know fast forward to 30 and same thing when a lot of your friends are married yeah yep with kids 
you know, they're, they're on the path. They're doing what we were told we needed to do. Um, so I was like, I need to get some new friends. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice that this story worked so well for all of you. Yeah. And I'll be over here. Uh huh. Uh huh. What were the, um, was there anything about that process as you started to like create your own dating and, and start to listen to people and engage with them? What were the, what were the joyful discoveries in that? And, and were there things that like, are there things that even to this day, like that, you know, are echoes of that, you know, Pentecostal Mm -hmm. evangelical past that you still find yourself tangling with? Um, I don't think I'm dancing with anything from it as it relates to dating. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I was having a conversation with my girlfriend about this. So, you know, the, the, the submission thing and the, who men are, who women are, right. It was clearly defined within mm-hmm. that religious context. And when I left it, you know, got out of that marriage, got out of the um, religious belief. I didn't want anything to do with anything that felt like that. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to sort out who I am as a woman, trying to sort out who men are. Yeah. Right. Like not in the context of who we all should be. I think that's what happens a lot of times in um, heavy religious context. We're looking at each other through these, we call it hope, <laughs> right? Or, you know, maybe outside of religion, people may call it a project. Yeah. Like, you don't want to marry a project person. But it felt, it was similar in that regardless of who we were actually as human beings, we all had the hope of godly wife and godly husband, right? So outside of that, you let all that go and was trying to sort out, I don't know what I want in a man and I'm not sure who I need to be at a, as a wife. And do I want to be a wife? Yeah. I went through a long period of, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want that. But I, but I tell you as I healed and allowed myself to have experiences and conversations and, um, experiment, some of those things I picked back up. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's one of those religion doesn't get to have everything about me as a human being. Yeah. You know, it could be as simple as like the word blessed. Right. For Mm -hmm. I mean, for years, I wouldn't use that word because it just Mm -hmm. felt so religious. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things I took back. No, I I do feel blessed. I do feel grateful. I have so much gratitude for my life and the love I've experienced and my daughter and my friends and like religion doesn't own that. And I felt mm-hmm. the same way about parts of who I choose to be as a woman. Yeah. Right. I, I'm, I'm a little old fashioned and I do like a strong man. And for a long time, I thought that was too religious. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I, but I, yeah, I had to connect with no, who I am as a woman and be okay with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. That's like the, the, the hipster problem, right? It's the, <laughs> you know, the hipster mentality of I'm not going to like this because, uh, uh-huh. because pop culture thinks it's good. So like, yes. I'm not going to like, you know, whatever Taylor Swift, because everybody's into Taylor Swift. So I therefore don't like her, but that's still somebody else dictating yeah. what you do or don't engage with. That's not the same as being free right. to, mm-hmm. uh, to really honestly say, oh, I do like this and I don't like this. And that's such a, it's such a difficult thing to learn how to do. I think even maybe just for humans in general, it's mm-hmm. hard for us to learn to separate ourselves from everyone around us and, and really objectively, or even, I guess, really subjectively figure out what it is that, that matters to us and that we actually like. Um, but yeah, it is, it's my favorite thing when you can start to go, oh, wait, that wasn't Jesus. That was me. Right. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> that part of Jesus that I actually kind of liked. I liked it because it, it comes from me. Like it's mm-hmm. me. That that is my my preference. And to be able to own that, I think that's really beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. Those pieces that come back. Yeah. That's good stuff. Trying to like, um, I, I'm curious, Sandra, what you think of what your thoughts are about, um, or if you have people even coming to you to like figure out the word that comes to mind is se- <laughs> sexual ethic. Like, I never like learned anything other than just, you know, like, well, what you learn in purity culture, what mm-hmm. you learn in, and, mm-hmm. and, um, and how you like, I was taught that you learn that everything else outside of just like sex with one person forever when you're married is the only right way to do a thing. Then mm-hmm. everything else is just like, no, that's all bad. <laughs> and so coming right. like kind of deconstructing while in this, like I'm married in a totally committed and monogamous relationship but then like starting to see and I, I know like I hear people talking about like how do you see it outside of that like how do you see and learn and start to like piece together what is what feels good for you when you have that narrative in your head like constantly I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know if you walk through walk with people through that kind of thing or what your ideas are there, how that works. Yeah, yeah I, I get, I do. I, I get a, a quite a few clients that um, are really harmed by purity culture and are trying to make sense of, <clears throat> again, relationships with romantic relationships in general and, you know, beginning with themselves. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, how do you be in a relationship with someone without, <laughs> having some awareness. I don't believe you have to be perfect, but some awareness about who we are. Right. Um, and I mean, those conversations are from, do you know your body parts right. to, you know, what's it like to explore with um, sex toys and um, books and like just getting in touch with just your body. You know, it's, we were taught some more explicit than others that our bodies were dangerous. Yeah. Right. We can't cause men to stumble. It's, it's always our fault. Right. <laughs> right? Really. Our complete responsibility and just, you know, getting to a place where you take the power back to, you know, my body, like I said, it belonged to God first. Maybe your dad in a weird way for a minute right. and then your husband. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Me too. Um, <laughs> But to take your body back from all these people mm-hmm. in these communities yeah. and to, to even see what that feels like to own your body, to wear the clothes you want to wear, um, to look at yourself yeah. and get comfortable with what the body looks like, um, exploring it. It's, it's creating a, a love and an intimacy with yourself first before you even get to, you know, sharing it with someone else if you choose to and even like owning that right moving from you have to do these things because this is being this is being a godly wife to do I want to yeah even within a marriage do I want to right right yeah that's been i think that has been a piece that has been particularly interesting for me to untangle is that idea of holistic consent mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. within the context of a of a relationship what is my what does my yes feel like? Can I identify it? And can I separate it from this really deeply woven programming of like, this is what my body is for. This is Mm -hmm. what is owed. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is how I keep someone interested in me and how I have safety in a relationship is by always willingly providing this thing by not saying no. Mm -hmm. Um, What does it look like to challenge that? Um, I think that that, that is the thing we come back to a lot is like, this is not quick work. This is not, you've solve it and then it's done. This is lifelong daily Mm -hmm. work of just trying to figure out all those little pieces where they are in your bones and how to, and you know, we've got a, we've got a culture that still sort of reinforces a lot of that. I think that a lot of these biblical narratives that we were taught 
are in some way either like full on rejected by culture or sort of perpetuated um, in in ways that are are really hard to untangle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really complicated. It's a really personal work. Yeah. And you know we we're all blank slates when we get here, right? So you know we're all. Um, trying to sort through everything that we've been socialized into and just trying to figure out what feels right for us. And that doesn't come without, like you said, it's a long process and it's, it's clumsy, you know, but if you give yourself permission to, to do that, like not look for perfection, not look for getting it right. Um, Got to find that right person. And I think we're all able to raise our hand and go, ah, <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing with the right one it's just there's still gonna be a thing like it's it'll still, still gonna be a thing, thing. uh-huh but a- allowing for that allowing for those mistakes mistakes used to cost so much yes in that uh christian in that religious context and yeah. now mistakes are like i'm, I'm learning I'm, I'm figuring it out and that's okay and i don't i don't have to be um, perfect at this. I never will be, you know, yeah. never will be. I love that. I was a theater kid and they always were drilling into us, like make big mistakes. And I always really struggled with mm-hmm. that. I think because my other side of my head was always like, you do <laughs> big mistakes, big consequences. Do not make mistakes, but I love the loosening of that. Just the it's just I can feel my shoulders unwind a little bit in that mm-hmm. just permission to permission to push back against this idea that like if a relationship doesn't last, if it doesn't turn into yes. a marriage, it's not necessarily a failure. Right. It is a learning experience and a growth experience. And it helps you get closer to answering that question of what do I actually want? What do I what do I like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. What um, what for you are the new sort of sacred outside of this like permission to make mistakes and that sounds like a beautiful first one of them. What are the what are the sort of new sacred rules that you cling to? Have you reconstructed sort of a, a space for yourself, a new ethic? Are there any pieces in that, that that you hold dear that you hope to teach yeah. to your daughter? Um, really connect to being a human being mm-hmm. on, on, on a journey, evolving, um, less about a goal. Yeah. And, and I mean that in any way, meaning we're not just trying to pursue happiness hmm. or just a spouse, a partner, um, just all these finite goals and more of, more of an evolution. And on the right, doesn't mean, you know, you can't long for a desire and have long lasting relationships, but I think we can get hung up on absolutes. Again, yeah. another um, teaching that really marked me in that religious context is, you know, there's absolute truth, right? Right. This is what it is. And um, really connecting to human beings. Who am I? What do I like? What do I dislike? <clears throat> what scares me? What makes me happy? Um, being curious about that in other people. Yeah. You know, raising that friendship <laughs> experience to another level. Again, not... God says this is the person, but do I choose this person? Does this person choose me? Like, do I just genuinely like you? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. What a basic question that basic. is. Basic. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. But I love that. It's just, do I like you? Do I like you? Mm-hmm. Do you like me? Right. Can we, can we talk about that? There's something you know about being not being outcome focused, like, you know, just Mm -hmm. that being Mm -hmm. process, like this enjoying the process and enjoying the process of getting to know other human beings and connecting and 
and not needing it to look a certain way at the end. Right, right, right. And having like the heart expands. Yeah. Right. It, it's funny because we were taught that the purpose of this faith was about love mm-hmm. and, and having a heart for people. But I don't know about you two. I 100 percent my heart expanded hmm. afterwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I had more room for thought and ideas and and things that were different from me. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, we talk about all the time how we, mm-hmm. um, we were like low key condescending all of the time in mm-hmm. any conversation when you, when you're so sure of your own rightness or so sure that like you need to be sure of your rightness, even if you're not, you know, you need to right. project <laughs> sureness. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, there's always, there's just such a, a closed off posture toward anything that would threaten or challenge that. And what we, uh, Flamey and I all of the time go back and forth talking about just how we can believe things with people now, even if we yeah. let go of it tomorrow, but we're like, Oh, what are you into? Oh my gosh. Tell me more. This is amazing. Like, yes. oh, I love that. And just the freedom to wholeheartedly welcome and listen to and look for what's good in it and be curious. Like you said earlier, um, what a, what a gift that is. And it is, it's so much broader and bigger and expansive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, again, it, it enriches your life. Your heart expands and it enriches your life. And I, like, I really f- believe I became a part of a larger family, mm-hmm. you know, that expanded, I mean, everything, time and cultures and places I love that that you said. Yeah, you're excited about this. I can get, you like it. I I love it. Yeah, <laughs> we can co- coexist, and I don't have to like browbeat you. Yeah, I don't have to convince you that you're wrong no. and I'm right. And, like, save no. your soul from damnation. It's fine. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, that's what nice. an idea. Mm-hmm. That's a nice thing to no longer be responsible for everyone's eternal soul. that was a lot yeah that's a lot to put on all the teenagers (laughs) yeah on top of like not causing the men to stumble also saving everyone from damnation like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of effort heavy heavy (laughs) when it comes Um, on your other relationships you know like i'm just thinking about trying to your neighbors and i you know i I, the being ministry projects and like <laughs> just you can't move into a damn apartment complex without it being like a project. How will I a save these people? Like, how, yeah, like how will I yeah. save this person, and how will I? I'm going to form these relationships so that they will come to know Jesus, I'm like or you know, so that you have a friend and you're <laughs> you know you get to know a person, you know. So you need if you need a cup of sugar, maybe you know who to call. I don't know, just. To get to know and be curious. I liked, Sandra, you said, you talked about curiosity, and I just like that. Yeah, I can be curious about people, and it's, there's a freedom in it, and just getting to know who they are. That's, I'm so glad you said that about the neighbor. That is so, I was just thinking about a coworker um, that I had years ago when I was still in the faith, and um, she was a Hindu. Mm. Oh, she was my project. Yep. That's so arrogant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like she didn't ask me for that. Yeah. She never once asked me for help. <laughs> and yeah. here I am. Like, I must be here. We must be sitting next yeah. to each other because, you know, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when and I think I, about people I missed out on knowing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. People I missed out on knowing. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that is, you can't know someone when you are already sure that you know more than they do. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're already sure that someone doesn't have anything to teach you. Yeah. It's really hard to get to know them and love them and, you know, yeah. have any sort of real connection. And that's how I approached relationships for the first 30 years of my life. Just mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 100%. And I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad to have moved at least 
I still think I'm smarter than a lot of people a lot of the time. <laughs> and that is my own work to do. But it is so – it is lovely to learn how slowly to learn how to actually meet people and mm-hmm. learn to know them and love them without trying to control yeah. or change or influence them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and allowing yourself again that that uh, the clumsiness of it, mm-hmm. you know, because you 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 don't know and you feel awkward. Yep. Um, you feel you leave this kind of a scripted dating life, getting to know people, and you move into okay, it could really be anything. Like I get to create this mm-hmm. completely. I get to create. Um, what this looks like for me, I choose who I love. I choose how I love. I choose mm-hmm. what what makes me tick, what doesn't. All that stuff was given to me, you know, and I just tried my best to conform. And like I said, I was horrible at it, <laughs> horrible. Um, but at least now, you know, I get to show up as um, just a human being. And, mm-hmm. and if I like it today, I do. And I might not like it tomorrow. And I'm clear on being able to communicate that, you know? Yeah. I get to change. I get to shift. I get to evolve. Yeah, you get to grow. It's good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Normalize changing your mind. Normalize changing your mind. Yes. <laughs> this is a good thing that healthy adult humans do. They get new information and they change their minds and they change their behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's good. And it is good. I have declared it to be good. <laughs> um, I want to be mindful of both of your time because we've gone just over a little bit hour now. Um, but I would love if you are both um, willing, since all three of us are raising daughters, having come from this context, and now we are raising girl children. Um, I would love it if everyone – could kind of share just something. It doesn't have to be incredibly profound or poetic, but what, when your, when your daughter gets to that place where she's 14, 15, um, what do you hope that she knows? What do you hope that she's heard from you? Um, cause we were all given, you know, this, this biblical <laughs> context for our, our dating. And, and when she gets that place, like, what do you, what do you hope, uh, she's perceived as, as sort of the, the rules for her? in that context. Nanisa, you can start if you want, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. If you could just sum that up for me, that would be uh, Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I think the thing I I am – I had a vision this morning of my kids. I, I got up and they're sitting on the couch watching TV and they just looked like teenagers and it freaked me out, except for that they were watching Dino Dan and so then that was the only thing that like – kind of gave me that moment back um (laughs) but um and I just like I feel very much like I really want my daughters to know that they don't have to apologize for who they are Mm -hmm. um because I think that I think that will make a world of difference that they don't have to apologize for taking up space in the room Mm -hmm. um with men or women or just anyone, but they don't have to apologize for taking up space. And I think that if when they're 14, they can walk confidently with feeling in that feeling that they belong where they're at because they are there and that's it. Then hmm. I don't know. I think I would, I will be really happy. <laughs> I think that will give them space to create who they are um, and who they want to be because they're not having someone tell them who they have to be. I don't want them to make themselves small mm-hmm. unless they want to. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. I think for me, I'm sure we all have very long lists. <clears throat> if, if we would have asked me this question last night and have it ready for today, we don't, you know, I probably have <laughs> several okay, we don't lines. like to one time to prepare for anything around here. At all. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But um, just right off the top, the first thing that comes to mind is that men aren't mystical creatures. Mm. Um, if that's who she chooses to love, I, I don't know. She's four, but, and I, you know, I haven't just noticed so. anything yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like men aren't these mystical creatures hanging out in the living room while we all hang out in the kitchen. Mm, yeah. That you can really be genuine friends with other human beings. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not a goal. It's not a um, purpose in life to become a wife. Mm-hmm. Unless that's really what you choose. Right. Back to what you said in this day. She, you know, you get to say you have a voice, um, but that we're not mystical, that we can know each other and it's, it's okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think for me, I hope that she, I hope that she knows that she doesn't have to hustle, Mm. um, that she doesn't have to, that there isn't scarcity. There isn't a feeling of scarcity for her around like needing to find a person, find a this, find a that, do the right thing, be Mm -hmm. the right. I hope that she feels like there is an abundance of love for her in the world. And that she doesn't have to hustle and hurry and mm-hmm. bargain and compromise and do all of those things to try to earn it. That she is, she's allowed to be as she is and to trust that that will, that will be a long story yeah. and a complicated story most likely. Uh, uh, but that it, it's never anything that's right for her is never going to come from her becoming less of herself. Mm -hmm. I hope that seems like a really tall order. (laughs) (laughs) My guess is at 14, she's going to be crying because somebody doesn't like her and that's going to be the worst thing ever because she's a tiny version of me. And here we are. Uh, And that'll be okay too. I was thinking that um, my, daughter has any sort of like if she gains any gender roles from watching her dad and I she will probably be confused if anyone asks her to do dishes because I feel like my husband's in the kitchen so much are like like oh did you want me to make food we're still doing that She's like, these are the traditional like, roles. These are the traditional sure. roles. Right? These are, yeah. <laughs> the man belongs in the kitchen. You're <laughs> here. here. This is a new paradigm. <laughs> I like it. Um, well, Sandria, I cannot tell you how lovely it is to hear your voice and um, to get to listen to you and, and just chat with you. Um, I'm so glad. I'm so glad to be connected to you and to get to witness the work that you're doing in the world. Um, Where can the people go to find you on the internet and in the world? Um, So I'm based in Denver, Colorado, but I work with clients literally all over the world. You can visit my website at mychoicemypower.com. On Instagram, I'm mychoicemypowercounseling. Nice. And you have, I was looking at your website today and you do some group therapy stuff. Is that still ongoing? Mm-hmm. That's ongoing. I usually announce it when a new group is starting. Nice. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. plug in. And, yeah. And there's on your list of groups that you have, um, you know, there's, there's mom group, there's a religious trauma group. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of different options. So I think for a lot of our listeners, like taking a look at that might be a really, a lovely resource for them. To yeah, have. please do. Yay. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much yeah, for doing this uh, weird phone call conversation situation <laughs> with us that we all live in all the time. Anissa, how do you feel about your first hosting experience? Um, it was better than my technical difficulties at the beginning. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> no, I'm so glad that it was, this was my first co-hosting moment. It was, it was so good to talk to you. And just, it was, my brain is spinning with all these new thoughts now. I'm like, I got to get one of these groups. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Thank you both for having me. This was fun. Like I said, we've, we've been connected for a minute here and just, just on life, right? Like, Hey, I get that. Yeah, me too. I like what you said. And nice to meet you, Anissa. And yeah. um, looking forward to this, you know, building these relationships. Yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. is this is the first of many conversations, I'm sure. Yep. Yay. And I am I'm so glad that both of you are in the world doing the work that you do. Thank you.